This podcast is brought to you by Learn Prime. Hone your development skills at learn.thoughtbot.com. <clears throat> we, had bar- we had barbecue for lunch today. It's pretty good. Not, you know. We had turkey meatballs and some tomatoes. That's not bad. It's pretty healthy. Turkey meatballs. Sounds pretty good. I just noticed that my keyboard's disgusting and now I can't stop picking at it. It's going to be 40% of the show, isn't it? Awkward (laughs) silence with the faint sound of scratching. Hey, everybody. This is Gordon in Boston. And this is Mark in San Francisco. And this is Build Phase. I never use this keyboard. I don't know how it's gross. Whatever. Hey, what's up? Great. <laughs> this is good radio. Take a picture of that so we can put well, it in your... Uh, I cleaned it up. <sighs> no bad parts. I don't know what happened to my audio station, but it just started playing really funky stuff. Mm, like, like, you know, it was playing, it was playing the typical mm-hmm. you know, Alkaline Trio, and then all of a sudden, boom, Shaka Khan. <laughs> and then after that, Jimmy Tenor. Nice. So I'm feeling pretty funky at the moment. Right on. Do you like that? Do you listen to any more of that Bob Schneider stuff? Yeah, I, maybe that's I what did it. Listen to the. You know what? That could have been it. Yeah, just a little bit of was, Bob. A little bit of Bob Schneider will just really confuse the shit out of audio. <laughs> you know, to my taste, that's pretty far out in left field. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I grew up like I grew up on Bob Schneider. He's like a huge Texas musician, right? He's from Austin. Bass almost only plays in Austin. Every now and then he goes on tour. He puts out like two, three albums a year. <laughs> and my dad listened to him when I was a kid. So like I know all of his old stuff. Phenomenal. Phenomenal musician. Is he specifically like a like a comedy musician? No, no, he's not a comedy musician at all. Like he just has some songs that are just really weird. I was laughing a lot. Oh yeah. No, that one there's that I mean those two that I sent you, right? Uh Ass Knockers. No, sorry, that's a different one. Ass Knockers is actually really good. It's like a weird kind of Texas rock song. Um, I feel like you should be careful here with with song titles. <laughs> yeah, no, but the so the one, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna post all these in the show notes. I don't care. <laughs> uh, no, so the the two I sent you the hanging out with horny girls <laughs> and uh, and then the Batman one. Those are very funny songs, but. Uh, <laughs> But they're not all song. They're not all like that. There's a, he, he does a lot of like legit, like kind of slower romantic song things, and then like rock songs. He's got a rap song on one album. <laughs> Very weird. <laughs> Very weird, dude. I wish I had known what I was getting myself into before I listened to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or if Ardio had some sort of shame mode mm-hmm. where you could flip that on, it's like private browsing. Mm. That way, you know, you can listen to <laughs> things that you don't want people seeing you listen to. Giants playing tonight? They are. They're in Miami. Nice. Actually, that's starting soon. Uh, I don't know. How do time zones work again? <laughs> it's either starting Plus now or, or or not now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so you want to complain about UI bar button item? Yeah. You want me to tell you what okay. I did, how I fixed it? It's stupid. Yeah. But it's like a So what what happened? Okay, so we we're trying to customize the font on UI tab bar item. 
right? Customizing the font for the tab bar items. And so I did a boneheaded thing, right? And I like looked up the thing that I always go to when I'm looking up UI appearance proxy stuff, which is uh, Matt Thompson's list on GitHub, that gist that he has that he keeps updated. Um, that thing is just freaking indispensable. And so I went there and I was looking in UI tab bar item doesn't have anything for customizing the font, just the inset, I think. And so I was trying to use UI bar item appearance when contained in UI tab bar, which should have worked, but didn't. And so then you reminded me that, like, it'll just, it'll be fine because it's, you know, subclasses and I hadn't been thinking about it like that. So, so I used the subclass to set the text attributes on UI tab bar item. And then that finally started working. But then I changed two things. You told me that if I just use font size zero, that it would use the default font size. And then, and then also we were confused about what the actual string selector for uh, Avenir next regular was, right? So I changed those two things, but it didn't crash when I changed it to Avenir next without dash regular. So the actual selector is Avenir next dash regular for the regular weight of Avenir next. But if you just do Avenir next, which is, I changed it to that and it didn't crash, but it was still showing Helvetica in the tab bar. And then the second I changed the font size, I'd get a, a nil item added to a dictionary. So what was happening is when you use zero for the font size, I don't know what font it creates, but basically UI tab bar ignores it. Like it just gets ignored, right? Cause you're creating your, so when, when we change it to font size zero, it switched back to Helvetica because when you create a font size of zero, like it, it wasn't using the default font size. It was just saying, I don't know, give me a, a no font, you know? And then I'm passing that in, and so those like, oh, this isn't an actual font or something. And it was so then it was ending up using Helvetica. But then once I changed the font size to one, even like anything, it crashed because he was trying to look up Avenir Next, and Avenir Next doesn't exist. It had to find Avenir Next dash regular. So once I changed that, then I could set the font size back to ten. It's like. <laughs> That's a lot of bullshit. <laughs> it's a lot of bullshit. It's is weird because I'm like staring at it, just going like I don't understand, like why this isn't working. Plus, I, I just honest to god, like I cannot tell fonts apart, like at all. You know what I mean? Like I like when you when I flip back and forth, I'm like, oh, obviously, okay. But if I look look at a font, I'm like, yeah, that's absolutely a font. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> that's the extent of my analysis. My font analysis is like. Yes, those are letters. <laughs> Move on. You know what I mean? So I show the screen. I'm like, oh, yeah, perfect. Got it. And I post a screenshot, and it's like, no, that's still Helvetica. It's like, god damn it. <laughs> oh, man. You have a bad case of font blindness. <laughs> yeah. Really annoying. The annoying thing about that font name is that that's not an, any sort of iOS standard. Those are all defined in the font file. Mm-hmm. So, you know, wherever these fonts come from, for instance, uh, Helvetica Noia, like the regular weight, is just Helvetica Noia. Yeah. Is that how you say that? I think so. I thought it was new. Otherwise, I, I, I don't would know. sound like a huge jerk <laughs> for the last couple of years. I have no idea. I've always said new in my head. I thought it was Helvetica new, but mm-hmm. I have no clue. I'm going to keep saying Noia for consistency. Okay. okay. But then with Avenir Next, it's just Avenir Next dash regular. Right. So I originally assumed that, you know, when it's the regular weight, 
you don't have to specify right. that. But no. So that's why iOSfonts.com exists. Yeah, which is great. And I thought it was a bullshit website at first. Like when I saw it, I was like, what is this trying to sell me? Something? Like it looks, there's something about the site that doesn't immediately strike me as being legitimate. I don't know what it is. I think I, I think part of it is that there are so many fonts on there, and I didn't realize just how many fonts are bundled in iOS. And so there was part of me that was like, this is just trying to sell me fonts to put on iOS, which sounded stupid. And it was like, this is obviously a domain name grab, and they were just like selling fonts or something like that. But that's not what it is at all. It's actually super useful. So yeah. <laughs> I think they're dumping this with like the font families. Yeah. NSRA and then just listing it out. There's a lot of old fonts that you that have probably never been in an iOS app. Right. Copper plate. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, American typewriter condensed bold. I guess if you wanted to put like a wanted poster in yeah. your app, you know, American typewriter condensed bold is, <laughs> right. is perfect. <laughs> they have impact checking. You should be using more impact. <laughs> mm, no. Bummer. Is that Fino? There is Zapfino. Perfect. That's my next app. I don't care That's, what the client says. <laughs> You'll get Zapfino or you're getting nothing. <laughs> the best troll move if someone leaves their computer unlocked is to change their Xcode font to Zapfino. Code looks really elegant, but pretty much unreadable. I just started using a fancy code font. Pitch. Yeah, how much, how, how much did you pay for this? I didn't. Not yet. Oh. Not yet. I'm not sure if I'm going to. I'm just trying it out. One okay. of the guys here. One of the guys here did buy it, and he really likes it, and so he he just sent me the file to try. Because I'm not gonna. I mean, it's like fifty bucks. You know what I mean? It's pretty good for a font. Yeah, it's like fifty bucks or seventy five if you want more than one. You can buy like one weight for fifty bucks, seventy five if you want multiple. I don't know if I care that much. It looks pretty. It does. The one thing that I liked about it was that if you do like two underscores. They don't run together. Yeah. They, it's not a full width underscore. It's not a full width dash either. So like the dash doesn't bleed into other characters. The weird thing that I guess I just got used to in my last font, which was like, I don't even remember. Like it was one of those Menlo tweaks, like Meslo or some crap like that. Yeah. But it had a dotted Z or a dotted zero, you know, and my brain just got really used to seeing zero with a dot or a slash in it and this one doesn't and that drives me crazy i think in consolata does that too yeah uh no that's a that's like a strike through zero mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> sorry i'm drinking coffee yeah i clearly heard that here can you hear this that was a really good capture of a of a can opening good. there you go tom you can use that i give you the rights <laughs> to my can opening I never had this before. Hell or high watermelon? It's, uh -oh. it's, it's, yeah, it's pretty heavy on the water. Yeah. Go ahead and try that. Let me know. Let it swish around. That's watermelony. Yeah. Whatever. I'll drink it. And by that, mostly water. Hmm. It's pretty yeah. light on melon. It's okay. It's not the worst thing. I've been terrified of this beer for years at this point. Like, literally just like, no, I'm not going to do that. Because <laughs> you know, like, you're afraid you're going to like it? No, just watermelon. Like, there's there's never been a time where I've been like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go out of my way to drink that watermelon beer. Not once in my entire life. It's not even about watermelon. It's just f fruit. You put the, the name of a fruit on a beer, 
I've never been like, that sounds delicious. I have a friend who will be like, who will go to a bar and drink like this, this vanilla stout thing with like mm. lavender or some crap. And then it was like super, super, he was like, I think beers make me sick. And I'm like, no dude, that beer makes you sick because it's disgusting. <laughs> no, that's no good. No, this isn't that bad. If you have to put fruit in a beer, mm-hmm. you know, watermelon as a fruit is, is a pretty laid back flavor. Yeah. Especially it's not really in, in your wheat, face. Especially in a wheat beer. Like it goes well with this. Yeah. Like it's not, this isn't something I normally drink, but yeah. <laughs> We really changed topics there pretty quick. Yeah. I don't know this what is, that happened. This is rare for us. Usually we just banter it in the beginning of the episode, and then we were, we're pretty consistent. I yeah. don't even know how we got here. <laughs> Me neither. Um, yeah, so I don't know. So that fonts, that, let's just screw it. Screw transitions. <laughs> let's just jump back. Uh, I don't know what's going on with that font thing. I don't know why it does that. I would love to know what, what's going on there. Like, What actually happens when you create a font with a size zero? Because it's, there's something else going on there. You know what I mean? Like, it's obviously at some level, like, it's still creating a font object. You're still getting an instance of UI font back. But it seems like it's a special instance that then they're checking and being like, nah, this isn't actually almost like a, creating an NSURL with an empty string. Where it's like, yeah, it's a it's an instance of URL, but it's not doing anything for you, so... You know? Yeah. That's annoying. I just feel better if those were actual view objects in general. Yeah. The appearance proxy with UI bar button item drives me insane. Yeah. There, I, I have two issues with it. If you apply an appearance to a UI bar button item, you know, you give it a custom font and a custom color, uh, two things will happen. One, it is completely ignorant of the style of the bar button item. Mm-hmm. So if you have a done style... It's mm-hmm. supposed to be set in a heavier weight. Mm-hmm. Doesn't happen. No way to hook it. Like there's no API to say, here's the font for this style. Here's the font for the normal style. The second thing is it doesn't honor the enabled bit either. Oh, really? So if you set a custom color, I think I haven't found a way around this yet. It doesn't gray and, out. If nope. you... and, but it still can't be touched, obviously. But right. it doesn't look right. Oh. It looks enabled. You think we'll ever get to actually having those be views instead of NS objects? I don't know. Could hope, but for some reason I doubt it. I think it's it's going to be looked back upon as like the NS cell. Yeah, of, which uh, I I was hearing that they're getting rid of. Yeah, Keith what? was talking about that. Yeah, I was reading something the other day. On oh, that might have been Objective CIO about doing Mac design. Yeah, yeah, they just that was their most recent issue. Yeah, and they were talking about you know historically how cells were used for performance reasons, and now they're phasing them out. Right. I'm trying to think of other issues that I've had with that. I don't know. I think it's just a mess. If if we were doing everything in code, we could at least um, you know make UI buttons and use those as the custom view, right. and have total control over the like the weight and all that stuff. Right. But um, it's a pain in the ass for using storyboards. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to customize every bar button item. No. I think it's weird that like when the UI appearance stuff came out, I was really excited for it, but I don't find myself actually using it that much in practice. Do you? Yeah, the super common cases. Like in this case, we're tinting the nav bar, changing the attributes of the nav bar title, changing the attributes of bar button items to have 
be the right font. And now changing, you know, the tab bar tint color, which we can get rid of, maybe. I don't know. But we're changing the tab bar tint color, and we're changing the tab bar item font. I think that's it. Oh, and text fields. We're setting the, font, the tint color on text fields. But that's it. You know what I mean? It's not... I used it a lot more before iOS 7. If you wanted to customize a segmented control at mm-hmm. all, mm-hmm. that was the only way to do it. Mm-hmm. Before that, even, like, customizing nav bars required swizzling. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's nice to be able to set stuff, like, on the nav bar at that level. But a lot of other things, you know, just doesn't end up being that useful. The other thing I just did was um, that pluralization. Is that even a word? Yeah, I think that's a word. All right. That pluralization stuff through strings dicts. Do you do you remember them talking about that last year? I started writing a blog post on this literally a year ago. I had to pull up my old blog post. Like I, I was writing a blog post on this, and I couldn't figure it out because it's completely undocumented. Or it's not completely undocumented. It's just horribly, horribly, horribly documented. There's very little documentation. There's very little information. It, especially a year ago, there was essentially zero information about this when I was first looking into this. And I don't even remember why I was looking into it. But the idea is that you can use localized strings to automatically change a string format based on a number. You know what I mean? So... If you want a label to have a count of apples, you want it to be like no apples, one apple, three app, you know, three apples, right? So you yeah. want that string to change, then you can you can create a p list that has all those different cases mapped out. So you set up a, like a localized string, right? So you set up a key that'll be like percent d apple paren s, right? Just kind of whatever you would put in there as the key for the localized string. And then you create this dictionary and you define you define this dictionary, you set all this crazy shit in this dictionary to set it up and then you end up having keys with like you can say like one here's what the string format should look like, zero, many, few. There's like a bunch of different keys that you can work off of based on that thing that you passed in. I think you can do gender stuff in there too which is interesting for like other languages, you know? Wait, does that mean that pluralization rules in other languages change based on gender? I don't actually know, but you can do gender. I knew I, I'm fairly certain that you can, you can set up gender rules as well based on something, but I haven't, I haven't looked into that and I'm not entirely sure. That must be for like, I'm trying to think of an example, like in Spanish. Like mm-hmm. nouns ending in O mm-hmm. are said to be masculine and mm-hmm. A, mm-hmm. feminine. Mm-hmm. I think so. Got it. But so the problem here is that, like, so last year when I was writing this blog post, I never published it. What happened was I was trying to use it in a project, and I don't remember what the project was. And I don't remember what I was trying to do with it. I was just trying to pluralize a string. Because the, the, end, the end result of getting this set up is actually really nice. In this case, we have, like, a, just a label that just wants to say, I want it to be empty if there are no comments on a post. I want to say one comment, singular, if there's one comment. Anything else, I want it to say X comments with an S on it, right? Very simple. And I could have done it in code, and I started doing it in code, right? I wrote out, like, 
if the count of comments is zero, return nil. If the count of comments is one, return one comment. Else, return, you know, and a string with format, blah, 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 blah. I wrote all that out, and I wrote tests for it. And I was like, why am I doing this? Like, this is stupid. It felt dumb to write that. I was able to replace that with one line that just says, return NS string, localized string with format, and then you pass in the, it's, it's such a weird API. Then you pass in an NS localized string macro with the key, and then the number that you want to key off of. I think it's a wacky API. It doesn't, it's not immediately obvious to me how it works. You know, I always have to look it up. There's no template for that file. It doesn't exist. Those keys don't autocomplete. At least they didn't a year ago. I didn't try this time, but I typed the whole, I typed the freaking P list out by hand because the keys don't, the keys don't really autocomplete. It's all very, very obscure, like kind of constants that you have to use. It's like an ugly format. Uh, and, and like I said, there's no documentation. There's like a note at the end of the foundation release notes from 2013. There is now like a two paragraph thing that tells you generally what the P list is supposed to look like, but left parts of the P list out literally just didn't have parts of the P list that I needed to get it to work and doesn't tell you how to use it. So to find out how to use it, I had to go into, there are, there's exactly, I wrote it down. Hold on one second. I'm going to look this up because I want to be exact about this. All right. While you're looking this up, did you know that it's Uber Ice Cream Day again? Yeah. Yeah. I, remember. I, think, I think it was episode two <laughs> yeah, last year. That. Yeah. So they, they did talk about this strings dick stuff and this pluralization stuff. They talked about it at WWDC 2013 for a total time of four minutes and 27 seconds spread across two different sessions. So in session 205 and in session 219, they talked about it for about two minutes in each. And so I had to go into the there and like scrub to find the part where they're actually talking about it to find out to use this localized string with format, right? Which you don't use otherwise. And you definitely wouldn't use in this way. Like I wouldn't make the assumption that change. I don't know. It's just, it's just really, really weird the way it works. But then you also have to do this other weird crap, right? So you have to so once you figure out what the P list is supposed to look like, and once you figure out the API of how to actually get stuff out of the P list, you have to have a strings file, even if it's empty. There has to be a strings file with the same name as the the strings dict file. And if they're not called and this is just this is just a weird thing with the localized strings stuff, but if it's not called localizable.strings, Xcode won't pick them up, not automatically. If they're called anything other than localizable, with a capital L, it's important. They both have to be there. They like you don't need the strings dict if you're only using the strings file, but you need the strings file in order for it to find the strings dict. They have to be named the same. And they have to they have to be named localizable dot whatever. Or else you have to use the localized string from table API, which lets you say, look in this strings file. Right? But you still need 
a strings file and a strings dict, even if the strings file is empty. It's such a confusing, and none of this information is anywhere, anywhere, you know? The only thing that has anything even remotely, you know, that they, they and they did a good job of covering it is Objective-C.io. They, they actually had, um, I don't know what the whole issue was about, but it was like issue nine, I think. It's all about strings. It was all about strings, yeah. So the localized string thing article in issue nine has a bit on the strings dict, and it covers pretty well most of this and shows you a... If if nothing else, it at least puts all the information in one place. You know, it's like three paragraphs in one place as opposed to two paragraphs and four minutes of talk spread over, you know, four different web locations. Such a pain in the ass. So you've been struggling. Yeah. So, like, I struggled with this a year ago, you know. It was really weird to all of a sudden be back in that place and immediately be like, oh. Like, I did a ton of research. I did, like, almost like days worth of research on this trying to figure this thing out a year ago and today when i was like oh i can just use this i had to start from scratch i literally had to pull up my old draft blog post just to get up to like the basic level of i don't understand why this isn't working you know what i mean like like i didn't even know where to start i was like i don't remember any of this it's such a weird api that's so unintuitive it's powerful, you know, and I was able to back it by tests, which was nice. So I was able to like, I left those tests in place that tested my manual code thing and just replaced it with this localized string thing and they all passed. And so it's like, sweet. Like I remember writing the blog post last year and, and getting to the point where I was like, okay, I've got a totally solid grasp on this now. I know exactly how to make it work and how, you know what I need to do. And then I, I distinctly remember just something breaking. Like, it didn't feel like I changed anything. It just all of a sudden stopped working. And so I was like, screw this. <laughs> like, and I just walked away from it. And I obviously, I never went back to it after, you know, for a full year. So did you know that there's a library that does this? No. Oh, Matt, Tom- Matt, Matt Thompson. Thompson's. Yeah, I didn't want to bring in a whole library just to do one pluralization, especially not when it's technically built into the language at this point, you know, or the framework anyway, not the language. I Googled it when you started talking, and I don't know why I was surprised to see a library from Matt Thompson that does no, this. Yeah, I actually ran into that. The What's it called? Uh, TTT localized plural string. Oh, no, that's not the one I thought of. Yeah, There's this one, one is literally just a C function that's TTT localized plural string. You give it the count, the string, and in his example, he passes nil for the last argument. I don't know what that does, but it supports like 30 or 40 languages and all their very specific language rules. Does it use localized string? Yes. Interesting. I didn't know about that one. I knew about, he has another one that I can't remember. If you go to the transformer kit, inflection kit, inflector kit. Oh, that, um, that does pluralization. That's supposed to be analogous to, um, something from active support in rails that does the, the pluralizations of nouns. Right. No, but th- this thing is specifically for what you're talking about. Hmm. Localized, pluralized strings. Hmm. And some of these languages have crazy rules. Like if it's more than, you know, if, it's, if you're localizing to Arabic, and if it's more than or equal to three, and also a multiple of 10, it gets its own specific rule. You know, but then if it's like more than 11, it's a different, it's a different rule. You know, it's not as simple as just like in English where... 
you know, zero or more than one is plural and one is singular. It gets hmm. pretty crazy. I bet I bet nil is the table. Mm. No, that last nil is the comment in his example. Got it. Interesting. Yeah, I wish I would have known about this before doing all this crap myself. I wonder if you how much this you still have to set up yourself. The only nice thing is I was able to override like the zero argument. To return a to empty string. Just return an empty string. So that the, the label just it, for all intents and purposes doesn't show up. Oh I see how he did this. This is just a macro. This is before the strings dict stuff came out. Right. I saw that the first commit is from 2011. Right. So what he did is you supply in just a normal strings file, like if your key is percent D person, or if you're the string, you're, I, yeah, I still kind of don't like this, but whatever. If you set up keys like percent D person, and then you have multiple keys. So you'd have percent D person and then in parens, plural rule one, or plural rule other, or zero, two, few, many, right? Yeah. And you do your own pluralization there. So that's that's all this does. This just is a macro to point to your own pluralization. Okay. Anyway. This is really boring stuff. Why is the most boring stuff always the most difficult? Maybe it's boring because it is difficult. Yeah, right. Hmm. So then what else? Fantasy football. Mark's oh, yeah, when does that start? Fantasy uh, football? Like, hmm. what did I say? September? Can you tell me a little bit more about just fantasy sports in general? Really? Like, it, <laughs> Wow. Condescending. <laughs> no, 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 no. I wasn't, I was, I'm no, I'm like, like, okay. <laughs> like I know the rough idea. So you put together a team, mm-hmm. you know, that really has, uh, no correlation to like real teams, but the right. players are, right. are real people and they have stats. So I know, I know the gist, you, you know, you put together a team and then, you know, you play fantasy sports right. over a season. Right. I want, give me more information here. I mean, that's basically it. That really is basically it. You get points based on players that you own in the league. You can make trades. You can drop people, pick people up off the waiver wire. So if they're they're not taken by another team, um, you do like a big draft to set up your teams initially at the beginning of the season. How does that draft work? How do you determine picks? Snake, snake draft usually is the easiest way to do it. So like if there is 10 people on the team on the in the league – you know, and I'm going first, right? So it goes one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten for the first round. And then the second round is ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. One, two, three, right? So you snake through so that it, it evenly distributes the picks. Got it. Yep. Um, but it's just a turn based pick system. ESPN does a pretty good job with their draft system where you don't even have to know that much about the game. You can just. A lot of times you can just like take the top person. Every now and then you'll end up with someone injured, but so are the available players based on the previous year's season? No, or... current current year. Okay, so the NFL draft has already happened. No, for next year. No, we we we're gonna do like so. We have a thoughtbot league. We're gonna do our draft in August. When's the real draft? 
Oh, the real draft happened. Oh, that's what I meant. Yeah, the real NFL draft happened. Pretty sure. Because they're already in. That's how we know. Like, Yeah. Right. So so the only thing we're waiting for now is preseason. I did This happened to me once one year where we did a draft before preseason, and then like someone that I had drafted broke their collarbone in like a preseason game. And it was like, cool, that's it. They're done for the season. They were like one of my top picks. Because all of a sudden, I just didn't have that guy, you know, mm. which sucks. There's actually a really interesting documentary called um, Rotisserie something. Is it just called Rotisserie? Oh, no, it's a 30 for 30 ESPN. There's a, yeah, there's a, there's a documentary called Silly Little Game. It's on Netflix. It's a documentary about rotisserie baseball, which was created by these like writers, these baseball writers. And they invented it's the invention of fantasy sports. Like the whole thing was just invented by these guys and a couple ladies, I think, that used to just get together at this crappy rotisserie chicken place in New York and talk about baseball. And so then they, one of them came up with the idea for a game based on it, and they started playing it, and then they actually tried like copywriting the name Rotisserie, and they sold a bunch of books based on it. And then, But since they had copyrighted the name Rotisserie, everyone was like, fine, <laughs> we don't care. We'll just use fantasy. And so then they lost out on all this money. <laughs> so I have more dumb questions okay. about fantasy sports. So how does your fantasy season work? Like what determines success and failure? You're going head-to-head. So it's head-to-head play. So you're playing against someone else, and you ha- your team has to get more points than the other person's team. Okay. How do you obtain points? Based on the stats of those players. So those, if the, you know, someone scores a touchdown, or like in baseball, it's based on like batting average, uh, ERA, like mm-hmm. all these different stats, right? And each stat gets you a certain number of points. Okay. I. That makes sense in baseball because everybody is pretty much playing on their own. It's really easy to track individual stats in baseball. Mm-hmm. How does that work in football? I mean, you know, in football, you're really works. working as a team. Right. So you're Yeah. So you're, you just have to that's, – that's why some players are way more valuable than others, you know? And that's why you don't have – like you don't pick defensive players usually. Like hardcore, team, hardcore leagues will play, pick a defensive player, but you never pick offensive linemen. You know, they're, they're, they're not even available in the draft. You don't pick offensive linemen. You pick like wide receivers, running backs, tight ends, quarterbacks, kicker. Okay. So how many sources are there for this data? Like who's accumulating it and making it available to all of these fantasy leagues? I think each company is doing it on their own. Like ESPN's doing their own thing. Okay. So what does the ThoughtBot League use? ESPN. Okay. Because I set up the league and that's what I was using. That's what I've always used. So that's where my other leagues are. So So I assume that fantasy football is far more popular than fantasy baseball. Oh, yeah. Way, way, way more. I imagine fantasy baseball gets a little tiring. It's, it has to be exhausting. I've never it's, played, but I can't imagine yeah. it being that much fun. I, I have to imagine it's just brutal like an everyday thing you know it's six months you know yeah and and you know 100 how many games like 162 right with fantasy football you deal with like 16 weeks 16 games that's all you have to deal with so you can do it in like 15 20 minutes a week yeah so it must take hours you know your team is playing six point something games a week right on average 
I want to pick up uh, MLB 14, the show. Yeah. Play some video games. <laughs> you want to play some video games, Gordon? Sure. Tom? Always. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's get a let's get a minor league going. Should we just wrap this up? Yeah. All right. Show notes for this episode are going to be found at podcasts.thoughtbot.com slash buildphase slash 47. And as always, we'd like to hear from you. So email us at buildphase at thoughtbot.com or reach out on Twitter at buildphase. And as always, ratings and reviews on iTunes. Cool. That was an incomplete sentence. <laughs> yep. I don't care. <laughs>